Sometimes it's inevitable to give in Sometimes that's the only way to begin Sometimes hitting the ground with your face down is the only way Sometimes that's how you finally feel okay Hello, I am Christopher Pellegrini. I'm coming to you from Tokyo, Japan, where I've been for the past 18 plus years. I'm the author of the Shochu Handbook, and I live, eat, breathe, and of course, drink Japanese Shochu and Awamori. Hello, I'm Stephen Lyman. I'm the author of The Complete Guide to Japanese Drinks, and I am also a Shochu lover, Shochu nerd. I guess Shochu Pro is what we've decided to call ourselves. We're here with our first podcast on Shochu and Awamori. Christopher and I have both spent more than a decade evangelizing for these drinks, and we're really excited to do this. We've talked about doing a podcast for a long time. It's taken us a little while to get this set up, but we're very excited to be bringing you this show, and we hope you enjoy it. Christopher, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. I can't believe we're finally getting around to this. We've finally got good mics and we've got good assistance behind us. We've got good, somebody good in our corner to help us out, make us sound really nice and smooth and suave and deboner, <laughs> debonair. <laughs> <laughs> All of those words. Yeah, you know, we started recording some test podcasts at the beginning of the entire pandemic when, when we went into the work from home mode. And we realized listening back to them that they were just echoey and kind of awful for lack of a better word. And so we invested in a little bit of equipment. We got some good advice from uh, Rich Pav. And we're really excited to, to have this uh, show off and running. We talked a lot about what should our first episode be about. And we settled on something pretty basic, and that's pronunciation. It's really something as we've evangelized for these drinks over the last decade or more to hear all the different ways that things can be pronounced and mispronounced. Even good friends of mine who drink shochu and awamori regularly still mispronounce a lot of these words. So we decided to focus on this for our very first podcast. You'll notice that I've already mispronounced a couple of words, a couple of adjectives at the top. Arguably, Japanese is a little bit easier to pronounce correctly if you're reading a romanized version of it. But still, some of these sounds can be confusing. It's easy to mix them up with other sounds or related sounds. So we're going to do our best to make this as clear as possible for everybody out there who's interested in shochu or just Japanese spirits in general. That's right. And Christopher learned about these drinks after he moved to Japan. And so he actually learned how to pronounce things correctly from the start, <laughs> where I learned while living in the US. And so I've been mispronouncing these words most of my life, even though I'm a huge fan. And, and we're going to get into these specific ways in which I still mispronounce these words in very subtle ways, which to a Western ear might not matter, but to a Japanese ear actually does matter. I guess I just speak more casually, where Christopher is very methodical in how he speaks his Japanese, and hopefully I'll get there one day, the longer I spend in Japan. I guess we'll just go ahead and start at the top. I mean, shochu is the first word, right? And it's the predominant traditional Japanese distilled spirit. It sounds a lot like Korean soju, so shochu and soju, right? But I hear it mispronounced as sochu, shoju, or soshu. And the one that I actually heard the other day, which was a new one for me, I heard shoku. So the <laughs> CH became a K. 
And I have uh, no idea how that happens. <laughs> you know, I know how that happens because if you use the old uh, transliteration style, the kunrei style of transposing Japanese into the Roman alphabet is S-Y-O-C-Y-U, which might be Syakyu or something like that. C-Y-U is the old way of writing Chu. Ah, uh, that might that might be why. But it was just, I was like, wait a minute, where did Shoku come from? Where did that um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think for me, the easiest way to remember how to pronounce it is actually two common English verbs, show and chew. As if you're speaking to a child, show me how you chew your food, shochu. It really is that simple. If you just say those two verbs back to back, you're 98% of the way there. Say it smoothly. Don't put any stress on one syllable versus the other. Japanese is generally a syllable-timed language, not a stress-timed language like English languages. So, shochu, and that's it. You do kind of have to make sure that you extend those vowels a little bit because there's a related word, a similar word called shochu, which actually means often. So, you could say something along the lines of like, shochu, shochu, which means I often drink shochu, which is a funny little pun, but it's also kind of a dad joke, so don't go there. <laughs> yeah, and I actually, when I was visiting Japan before I moved here, I would often... I think, say shochu, right? And people would be really confused at what I was trying to order. Uh, and I've learned to elongate a little bit. So next we have the other big category of Japanese traditional craft spirits, and that's awamori, right? And this is the older cousin to shochu from Okinawa. It's made using a different process, but they're governed under the same laws here in Japan. And it's a four-syllable word rather than a two-syllable word. So it's a bit more cumbersome, but I think maybe a little easier to say correctly. It's awa plus mori, so awamori. You might hear that I kind of roll my R a little bit in the Japanese style, but a lot of people in English will say awamori, uh, which I think you would still be probably pretty well understood. But what's, what's the story behind that word, Christopher? In terms of how they came up with the word awamori, where that word is from, you mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a few different theories about where the word itself comes from. Awa is another is one way to say millet. Of course, there's some evidence that millet was used to make awamori at one time. There's also, awa can mean foam as well. Like the head on your beer is also is awa, A-W-A. So there's that theory as well. I don't think anybody's really come to a firm conclusion about where the word originated. But the ingredients have been firmly established, that's for sure. I mean, awamori is only made from rice as its starch source. It also includes, of course, water, yeast, and koji mold, which makes it, I guess, in some ways similar to sake production. But of course, awamori, much like shochu, is distilled. So they're spirits, and these are Japan's indigenous spirits. They're Japan's best-kept secrets, as Stephen and I always say. I guess an important word maybe that I can bring up here in addition to awamori is the word koji, which I just said before, koji mold. That one also has kind of a long O in case, for anybody who's keeping score at home. So it's, it's not koji, it's koji. Again, it's a rice-based spirit and only rice. It can't be made from anything else. That's right. And in the case of awamori, the base ingredient, as Christopher said, is always rice. And it's actually usually Thai rice. It's long grain indica rice uh, from Thailand. And in Japanese, that's Thai mai. And somewhat confusingly, when you talk about rice for shochu, when you talk about rice shochu, the word used is kome. Looking at the origins of, you know, the Japanese script, or what's known as kanji in Japan, 
they're adapted from Chinese characters. Confusingly, especially for second language learners like Stephen and I, there's almost always at least two different pronunciations. Kome is the, K-O-M-E is the most common way to say rice in Japanese. But when you team it up with another word or another character, then it often is pronounced as mai. So Thai rice is called Thai mai here in Japan. And as Stephen said, basically 99.99999% of awamori is made from Thai rice. That's right. And other popular ingredients for shochu production, uh, fortunately, the, na- the words don't change as you use them in different contexts. But you have uh, sweet potatoes, barley, buckwheat, and black or brown sugar. And we'll talk, I'm sure, in a future episode about the difference in, in that sugar base. But sweet potato is pronounced emo. Barley is mugi. Buckwheat is soba, like soba noodles. And the sugar is called kokuto. And kokuto is absolutely lovely. Yes, we will get into that in a future episode. One little foible, of, another little foible of putting words together is shochu, when it follows an ingredient or a region, the sh often changes to a j. And you don't really have to copy this when you speak, but you do have to understand what it is when you hear it. So what I'm saying is, for instance, Stephen just explained that sweet potato shochu is emo shochu, but when you connect those, when it becomes connected speech, then it becomes emo jochu. So the sh becomes a j. Rice or kome shochu becomes kome jochu in connected speech. Soba shochu becomes soba jochu in connected speech. And kokuto shochu is kokuto jochu. Again, that's just the way people talk. You don't have to copy it, but you need to understand it when people say it. That's right. And another aspect of all of this, I think we should probably touch on are the appellations of origin, mostly from the WTO. I guess all of the ones we'll talk about are from the WTO. And these are Ryukyu Awomori, Kuma Shochu, Iki Shochu, and Satsuma Shochu. All of these appellations have recognizable marks so that if you know what you're looking for, they're really easy to spot. Now, Satsuma Shochu refers to sweet potato or emo jochu made in Kagoshima Prefecture. Uh, which used to be the Satsuma domain and where sweet potatoes were first introduced from South America by way of China and Ryukyu or Okinawa. And along the same vein, we think that Mugi Jochu, barley shochu, was first made on the small island in Nagasaki Prefecture called Iki. I-K-I, Iki Island. Just the seven distilleries on that little island are the ones that own that or, or protect and propagate that WTO designation Ikijochu. That's right. And kuma shochu refers to rice shochu or kome shochu from Kumamoto Prefecture's uh, legendary Kuma River bread basket. It's in and around the city of Hitoyoshi, Kumamoto. Uh, rice shochu made elsewhere in Japan can be called kome shochu, but it cannot be called kuma shochu. And there are 28 distilleries making kuma shochu, although one of them unfortunately was severely damaged by flood and we're not sure if or when they'll be able to reopen. Ah, uh, true. Several of them were damaged uh, this summer, but uh, I think all but one of them is back on their feet so far, or to this point. Okay, so, yeah, yeah. So that's Satsuma Shochu, which is sweet potato, Iki Jochu, which is barley, Kuma Shochu, or Kuma Jochu, which is rice, and then that brings us back to Awamori again. Ryukyu Awamori is the Awamori that's made in Okinawa Prefecture, and that prefecture itself used to be called Ryukyu Ryukyu 
Olkoku, or basically the Ryukyu Kingdom, before it was made part of Japan many, many years ago. And awamori that is not made in the traditional style or not made in Okinawa full stop cannot be called Ryukyu awamori. And again, that is a rice spirit. That's right. And that RYU is a bit of a tongue twister uh, for us Westerners, I think. <laughs> yep. Luckily, it's almost always okay simply to say awamori since it's really not made elsewhere in the world other than in Okinawa at the moment. Speaking of traditional awamori, it can only be made from one type of koji. Remember that mold we talked about earlier? It can only be made from black koji. And in Japanese, that's kuro koji. Kuro is black. Helpfully, for us anyway, koji is often described by the general hue or color of the mold spores, especially when they've propagated on steamed rice or some other vegetable. Kuro koji, black koji, is always used to make awamori. And if we're thinking about, well, let's move over to sake, I guess. Sake, or in Japan, we might say nihonshu, is generally, and again, when I say generally, I mean almost always, 99.999% of the time, they use yellow koji, which is ki koji, K-I-ki. Then shochu is a little bit more flexible. They can use kuro, ki, and then also shiro koji. Shiro is white. White koji is the standard in the shochu industry, but black koji and yellow koji have been used increasingly over the past 20 years to add new flavor profiles, aromas, and and brands to the very vast and diverse shochu world. That's right. What would you say? It's still probably more than 50% of shochu is, is shiro koji, right? But it's it's not as predominant as it used to be. I think 50% is a very conservative guess. You think it's higher? I think it. I think it probably is. Yes. Okay. Yeah, you may be right. Um, it, but often you'll see, for example, you know, with some of our good friends down in Kagoshima, where they'll have a white koji version and a black koji version, and sometimes a yellow koji version under the same brand name. Very true. Yep. But then I guess if you think north into like Oita, right, with 100% barley shochu, almost all of that's made with white koji. Yep. You know, at least of the the, the large volume uh, brands are. And I think most of the rice shochu is made with, with white as well, is it not? Maybe yellow a bit. Is... That's, that's true. Yeah. So yeah, m- maybe it is uh, more than, well, more than 50%, but it's not 99% like awamori or sake with their, with their koji strains. Definitely not. Yeah. So also with koji, not only can be de- described by color, but it can also be described by what the koji mold is grown on, since koji will grow on things other than rice. So rice koji is kome koji. So again, kome, uh, it does not change to mai because the kome is coming before koji, right? Right. And then, uh, so, and also koji does not change to another pronunciation because it's native to Japanese rather than borrowed from Chinese. And then, so remember, barley is mugi. So mugi koji is koji grown on barley. And imo koji would be koji grown on sweet potatoes. So that's another way that you may hear koji described and you may want to talk about koji when you're explaining to your friends these wonderful drinks that you're enjoying. One final word that we'd love for you to get familiar with is the word honkaku, H-O-N-K-A-K-U, honkaku. I guess the best translation is authentic, right? Authentic. So if you see the phrase... I think that's... Yeah, mm -hmm. honkaku shochu. Honkaku shochu means authentic shochu, traditional shochu. Shochu that's made 
in the old school style. And this means basically approved ingredients, you know, made in the old school way and distilled once in a pot still. Um, and this is basically the way that all of the good shochu and awamori is made. Honkaku is a great word to know. Honkaku shochu is a tax classification. Essentially, you, you, if you don't make your shochu in the right way, you cannot label it as honkaku shochu. When you're out and about and you're trying shochu for the first time, just make sure to take a look at the label. An increasing amount of these products are shipped all over the globe these days and more will be soon. So look forward to them. If you see something that says Honkak Shochu, you're in good hands. If you see something that, uh, how should we say this delicately, Stephen? If you say, if you see something <laughs> that uh, has a different spirits tradition written on it, like Soju, S-O-J-U, and Shochu at the same time, be a little bit wary. Um, they, there may be some confusion there. You may want to be a little bit careful with that and make sure that you are buying exactly what you intend to buy. We hope that you are hoping to try, kick the tires on some Honkak Shochu in the very near future. It's, as we said, Japan's best kept secret. And it's something that Stephen and I believe, and we think that you will agree, is going to take the world by storm very, very soon. That's right. I would say, you know, there are shochu being made overseas. Some of them are excellent. Uh, but again, it's, it is buyer beware. You know, if you've got a beer brewery making shochu, you know, you may want to know how they make their koji and, and that sort of thing. So, um, not to name any names, but, <laughs> you know, we, 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 we can be skeptical of some brands. You know, we wanted to get this first episode in the can. We wanted to keep it short and sweet, and we thought a pronunciation guide would be a good way to kick this off. And we'll be back soon with more Japanese craft spirits talk. We're going to dive deep into shochu. We're going to dive deep into awamori. We're going to dive deep into each of the different styles that we've talked about. We're going to geek out over koji and yeast and fermentation temperatures and distillation methods and all sorts of good stuff. Uh, and we hope that this is the first of many, many episodes here on the Japan Distilled Podcast. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and kanpai. Kanpai. That means cheers, by the way. Yeah. Well, it means empty your glass, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll drink to that. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. kanpai. Kanpai. Time's up.